You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 38 with Mika Branch. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hart. And today on our show, I'm so excited. We are talking with the co-founder and CEO of Miss Jessie's natural hair products and salon, Miss Miko Branch. Miko founded the company with her sister, Titi, and they named it after their beloved and fiercely independent, do-it-yourself-and-tell-it-like-it-is paternal grandmother, Jessie Mae Branch. Now, as the visionary behind the Miss Jessie's brand, Miko revolutionized the hair care industry, and she's become a leading pioneer in the natural hair movement, really by creating and marketing high-performance and high-quality hair care products. Now, Mika continues to develop innovative, original, and effective solutions for curly hair needs, and she's acquired numerous accolades in the process, such as becoming a best-selling author of the business memoir, Miss Jessie's, creating a successful business from scratch, naturally. She was also honored in the 2015 Ebony Power 100 list, and she graced the March 2016 cover of Black Enterprise Magazine. Miko has a heart for giving back to organizations that encourage the advancement and education of minority youth. She's donated to several organizations and, and partnered with the New York Urban League and the United Negro College Fund. Now, I'm excited to dive right in, but I'd love to encourage you to connect with me right now on Twitter while you listen to today's episode. Our handle is at TBPod. Tweet me your favorite takeaway or what might have inspired you most from this episode. That said, let's go ahead and dive right into this week's episode number 38 with our guest, Miko Branch. Enjoy. Miko, thanks for being our featured guest on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm so happy to have the opportunity to share this conversation with you today. I have so much respect and admiration for your brand. I think you've so carefully built this uh, platform over the past two decades, and I'm excited that we get an opportunity to share that with our community. I'm excited to talk about uh, our experience and our journey in building this Japanese So, so thanks for, for being interested in our brand and our company. So you and your sister Titi uh, are, are co-founders of Miss Jessie's, and it began with your salon back in 1997 and then expanded to hair care products, I believe, in 2004. Is that correct? That's ex- that is exactly right. Uh, we started off with a hair salon that actually did not specialize in curl kinks or waves. Uh, we actually specialized in uh, straightening, you know, highly textured hair. And we've gotten really good at it. And uh, in around, I the early 2000s, probably around 1999 or maybe 2000, after I had my son, we started to get serious about curly hair. So it was certainly an evolution. So what was the problem that you and maybe uh, TT had experienced that fueled this vision to create mistresses? Well, we had made some uh, uh, mistakes in our business. Uh, we were rookies in business together. We had some early success and, you know, being crushed with our own success, we made some decisions to expand just too quickly. And as a result, we ended up losing our business. Luckily, in 1999, we bought a brownstone in, in Bedford-Stuyvesant uh, in Brooklyn. 
and we had to actually refuge to our brownstone because we'd lost our, our salon in, in downtown Brooklyn, in Forum Hill. But at the time, I was pregnant, and I was expecting, and it was very clear that I was going to be a single parent. So um, after I had my son, it was, it was bath time, actually, that I realized that, you know what, I can no longer wear my, my hair straight styled anymore. And that discovery um, at bath time was something that I shared with our customers, the very few customers that were brave enough to come to the hood to get their hair done. Wow. I shared that discovery with them by them simply seeing my hair in its naturally curly state because I could no longer style my hair straight. That started a conversation. It took me no time to understand that this is an opportunity. And uh, we started getting good at it. And the next thing you know, my sister took it. My sister Titi and I took it to our kitchen table like our grandmother did. Uh, uh, when there was nothing available in the market uh, that she wanted, she would make it herself. And that's exactly what we did when it came time to create products to support all that we were doing in our, in our salon. Right. So I would love to, to maybe have you recall some of the creative strategies that you both used back then to, uh, to operate on what you're echoing here with some minimal cash flow. Like what was creative things that you guys did to, to be able to grow? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you have no cash flow, you have to be very creative. Right. Um, you know, we weren't, we weren't that sophisticated in, in uh, knowing how to get a loan. You know, we just knew that working hard would eventually be fruitful. It was a philosophy that our father instilled in us. So in order for us to make the most out of what we had, and what we had was talent, and uh, my talent was I was an excellent hairstylist. My sister's talent was she was an excellent communicator and an organizer. And together, those talents combined really created a, a great team for TG and I. Still no cash flow, so we had to do things like share clothes. We were roommates. Wow. All, all, yeah, any profit, you know, any money, any profit that we made from our business, we put uh, 50% of that money into the business and then we save the other 50%. Now, I don't know if you remember, I, t- I mentioned to you that we'd lost our business. Right. So we had to think outside the box and come up with a new idea. So it was the idea and it was understanding that this was a new, you know, uncharted territory that TT and I had to build from the ground up. And um, at the time, that idea didn't cost us anything. But what we had to do is we had to become an expert at these ideas that we had in our head. So what that took is that took focus. It took me really trying to understand all the nuances, all the, the nooks and crannies of curls, kinks and waves, and just really becoming that expert. So when we service people, we were able to provide quality service. Okay, so once we started to get the word out, and the way we got the word out was we utilized the Internet. And honestly, we would not be, uh, I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you I, I don't believe it's senior talking to with the level of success that we've experienced without the help of the internet. We were doing hair inside our house in, in a brownstone in Brooklyn, and we were not able to put a sign outside that said that we did hair because we were in a residential neighborhood. So with the help of the internet, we showed off our before and after pictures, 
And luckily, that caught the eye of a conversation, a very small conversation that was happening. And sooner than later, our phones started ringing and we were able to book appointments. And with those appointments, we made sure that we charged enough money for our expertise because we understood that there was no one in the marketplace providing this kind of service and this level of service. So we made sure we got paid for it. And with that money, we were able to slowly but surely build our business. And we were able to corner that market because no one else was doing it. So that innovation and those ideas that, you know, those ideas and those epiphanies that came to us, you know, when we were actually down on our luck was um, what we focused on and what we leveraged to um, eventually get our capital. Right. So I've got to tell you, you know, I, I don't know at what point your your brand identity developed, but I think you've got a beautiful and amazing brand identity. I love your website. I love your branding over social media. I love your content and how well and valuable and educational and engaging it is. I'm a marketer by profession and it drew me to you guys. And so I just wanted to to compliment you there. What was your initial thoughts around the the marketing message for this, this product? line, right? So, I mean, you're, you're focused on that natural here. I don't know if, if when you reference the internet, if you're talking about early phases of social media or, or what, but how, what was your approach and what was the message? Well, uh, to answer your question before social media, they were, um, they were chat rooms. Right. There were websites where people went to have a discussion and discussion boards. So this is way before social media. And this was probably the early 2000s, maybe two, actually year 2000. That was our social media. <laughs> yeah, it was our social media. And uh, we realized that women were talking about natural hair, a very small conversation, but they didn't quite know what to do or how to do it. So what we did was we provided a website that, spoke to how to care for your hair. And another thing that we did was we did the unspeakable for, for salons and stylists. We let, uh, we, we shared our information. We shared our secrets and we told our customers or whoever was interested in this judging, we told them how to do your hair. And that was really revolutionary for an industry. And that was also revolutionary for uh, just simply for women who wanted to know how to handle our hair. For many years and decades, you know, particularly the, the, the customer with the tighter curl curl, she honestly didn't, she wasn't acquainted with her hair. For many years, it might have been straightened or she was probably so far away from understanding again with her natural texture that this information was very valuable. So that, you know, you can only imagine the sharing of information that took place when, you know, Tiki and I decided that we're going to share what we do in the salon so you can do it too. That was one phase of it. But as you know, as an entrepreneur, Tiki and I didn't have the luxury to just be specialists in natural hair. We didn't have the luxury to just be hairstylists and great organizers and great communicators. We had to become marketers. We had to become accountants. We had to become attorneys. We had to really try our hand at many phases of the business as entrepreneurs trying to build capital. So um, in marketing, marketing was a very, um, it was a fun, uh, it was one of the fun um, free-spirited aspects of our business. And uh, Tiki and I did not go to, to business school. We had no background in marketing or, you know, PR or advertising. But what we did have was our experience growing up. 
in New York. And as two girls growing up in New York um, City, uh, we originally grew up in Queens. We eventually moved to Brooklyn. But you have to understand in the 70s and 80s, Kiki and I were around when hip-hop was born. Right. So we saw hip-hop being developed from the ground up. We wow. saw neighborhood superstars, you know, set trends and, you know, just set, just attainable, you know, they, they, they were role models for us. They let us know that, you know, any art form that you may have or anything you want to do is achievable. And also just being in New York City, you know, being able to get on the train and go to the city, that exposure and that interaction with so many different kinds of people, um, that was valuable. TT and I tapped into all the things that made us TT and Nico, whether it be our dad, whether it be our mom, our grandmother, or whether it be the people we saw growing up us being able to witness their hustle and then being able to turn, you know, something, you know, nothing into something with, you know, all that we tapped into. So when it came to the marketing uh, for Miss Jessie's, we decided that, you know, we're going to specialize in curls, kinks, and waves. So we had that, you know, we had a full understanding of that. But when we brought it to market, we decided that we wanted this brand to not look like it was marketing just to um, an African-American woman. And the only reason why we wanted to make that distinction is because all the products that we saw that were marketed to, you know, the tighter coil curl, we just, we just aesthetically, we just never liked that kind of packaging. So here was our moment and opportunity to just, you know, put down our take on what we thought was beautiful and what we thought would attract a customer, you know, and it was less about being a black product or white product. It was really about being beautiful, you know. Right. So we looked at this product as we wanted it to be prescriptive. We wanted the messaging to be clear. We wanted the colors to be inviting. We wanted to share information, a lot of information in the event that TT and I couldn't be there when you picked up the jar. So we wanted it to do so many things, you know, be beautiful, be informative, uh, be smart looking, all those things. And we were able to um, capture it in a label. And we came up with a label that we liked a lot. And guess what? We, you know, we thought there was nothing wrong with our take or our spin on packaging because we only had a handful of customers, you know, and if someone didn't like it or if we felt like it wasn't working, we felt like we can go in and make changes. So we really had nothing to lose. So when you pick up a jar of Miss Jessie's, what you're seeing is you're seeing Titi Amico. You're seeing our influences. You're seeing, you know, through the language and through the lingo and through our style of communicating, that's all you know, conveyed through a jar of curly pudding. Not only is the packaging unique and um, easy to identify, the, the, the actual products in those jars, our, our product for curly hair was purple. Wow. And yeah, it was purple and it had a wonderful, you know, gelatinous, you know, consistency. And, you know, we were able to get that consistency and that quality just right because we spent so many years and so much time around our grandmother, Miss Jessie Branch. We helped her make that cake. You know, my grandmother, our grandmother, Miss Jessie May Branch, was a great delegator. So she would often tell us, you know, put more flour in, put more sugar, put more vanilla extract. And we would execute all that she wanted to happen at her kitchen table to get this finished product. So Tiki and I were able to witness 
a CEO, which was my grandmother, delegate from her kitchen table, and we were actually able to execute. That experience led to the naming of our product. At the time, uh, there were no products in the curly hair market, and I don't even know that there was a such category uh, for curly hair, kinky hair. But we decided that although we're going to specialize in curls, kinks, and waves, we're going to use references that reminded us of our grandmother. So first, we were going to name our product Miss Jessie's because this was a woman who was so instrumental in our life. And then we decided when it came time to name the product, we were going to use food references like curly pudding, <laughs> like <laughs> baby buttercream and curly buttercream. Those food references came straight from our grandmother's kitchen table. Ironically, later on when, you know, there, you know, there actually became a stampede <laughs> to getting into this market. You weren't competitive unless you named your product with a food reference. And that trend actually came from Tiki and I. You know, I'm thinking just fondly and thinking lovingly of our grandmother. That's where that trend came. So when competitors came later on and we're competing against other brands with their puddings and their, you know, meringues and buttercreams, you know, it actually originated from us thinking of our grandmother. But, you know, just in a nutshell, we just tapped into everything that we ever experienced and brought that to a jar of curly pudding and uh, a jar of Miss Jessie's or two of Miss Jessie's. And the good news is that many people loved it and they responded positively. And that's how we built our marketing, uh, our marketing platform. After that, we decided to just have a conversation with our customer and just, you know, um, talk with them like they were customers in our salon. And that conversation um, proved to be critical to the to the building of Miss Jessie's. Right. That is such a great and inspiring story. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. So we're talking about your beginnings and it was you and TT, but over over time, as between the, the salon and now building the product line, I'm sure you've both learned a thing or two about hiring the right people. How did you find people to bring into the organization that truly cared about the organization the way you both did? Still, it's still uh, challenging. That's a challenging process of the business to this day. But um, over time, we learned that in choosing someone to work within your company, and we consider our company to still be a small company, it's really about the person and their heart and their values and their morals and who they are. You know, we, we, we determined that pretty much anyone can be taught a skill set Anyone can be taught our, our processes and anyone can be taught, you know, the way that we, you know, we want things done. But you can't teach people how to be a good person, mm. you know, not, not necessarily in that short amount of time. As a matter of fact, I take it back. Maybe you can teach someone how to be a good person, but we're looking at time and we're trying to, you know, just take advantage of, of a good use of time. And, you know, we felt like if we chose someone with a good heart, someone who can harmoniously work with others in the company, we felt like if there were any mistakes or if there was anything that they needed to learn more about, you know, making curly pudding or, you know, um, any, any aspect of the business, we felt like that could be taught. And that proved, that proved to be a good way to approach hiring. Uh, someone could have the greatest um, abilities, but if they're not trustworthy, 
or if they are uh, aggressive or if they're violent, all of that skill set is going to be, you know, just the last thing that's you know, that's important to the business and, and mm. you can't get away from the person. So we decided to focus on the, the actual person and everything else will come after. So important. Mika, I'd love to invite you to share with us maybe one of your, your major fears or roadblocks or challenges. It's something we talk about a good bit. Um, mm-hmm. Could you maybe bring up, bring us, you know, with you to a time that maybe caused a few gray hairs and maybe some tears <laughs> were shed, but in the end, right, it resulted in you becoming the stronger and wiser person that you are today. There were so many um, moments and experiences that I had that made me a stronger, wiser Miko. I think the first thing that comes to mind is building a business with no money. <laughs> That is extremely challenging and it requires you to be um, creative and innovative because if you're not, you know, you you, you can't, it's it's just too difficult to be able to build capital. So that's one. I think another experience was in the early days, I had this this notion that I would uh, be able to do hair and do all the things that I wanted to do in the business. And I would not have to uh, get involved with um, the other nuts and bolts of the business, primarily the part of the business that Tiki handled most of the time. And when you go in partnership with someone, um, it's always wonderful when you have a skill set and your partner has another skill set. But what I didn't realize is that when I went into business with my sister and partner is that I would not have the luxury to just do the things that I enjoyed. I had to really become immersed in all aspects of the business. And I learned that after we lost our business, I allowed uh, my sister to make most of the decisions. And most of the decisions that TP made were great decisions. But as you know, TP and I had no formal training in business. So um, maybe it was luck in the early days when we had the successes. But certainly when the failures came, the failures were just so unforgiving that it was clear that if I wanted to stay in partnership with my sister and partner, I no longer had the luxury to just do the the, the fun things that I, I, I envisioned doing. So in the event that, you know, we lost our business or in the event that something, you know, bad happened, I wanted to feel like I contributed to, you know, steering us out of that or maybe steering us away from a negative, you know, something negative happening. So that meant that I had to learn different facets of the business. So that was one misconception that I had early on. And luckily, I learned that lesson early on. And um, I think most people who go into business should understand, particularly if you're building a business from scratch with little money, that you're probably going to have to learn, you know, all aspects of the business because when it comes time to hire someone, it's always a good idea if you know right. your business before you pass it over to someone. Yes. So that was something, you know, that was through some failures. I learned that lesson. And I think another lesson that stands out to me right now is when it was clear to us that we were great curly pudding makers and uh, Miss Jessie product makers and we were great hairstylists and uh, great marketers, it didn't occur to us that we had to be very well-versed in dealing with mass channels once we got a large retailer as a partner. And very quickly, uh, we had to put on another hat, a hat that we 
we, we had no, no background, no experience. And we had to learn the ways of an industry that was going on where, you know, well before TV and I came along. And, you know, the, the practices and, you know, the, 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 the process that were already in play, already laid out were things that TT and I had to learn and had to know how to navigate through. And that was a really tough time on us because, you know, any wrong move that we've made could result in us losing our business. We've lost our business very early on. So that was very, very, that was in the front of our minds, you know, about the moves we were getting ready to make when it came time to grow our business. And when you partner up, you know, with a large retailer like a Target or a Walmart, that immediately means that your business um, should be growing. So we were very careful about our moves. And some of the moves that we didn't understand we were so cautious, we didn't make any move. So that resulted in, you know, seeing what was getting ready to happen, but we lost some, you know, we lost some market share at, at a certain point, you know, just because we wanted to be a, a little more careful in our next move. So, you know, just, just understanding that, you know, you want to grow your business and, you know, the opportunity came for us to partner up with a large retailer, but we very quickly had to become well-versed in this new line of business. And that was, that was tough on us. Wow. That's... Luckily, the good news is that, you know, as we navigated the space, uh, we were used to thinking outside the box and coming right. up with solutions that worked best for us. And we had a winning product and we were innovators and trailblazers. And that worked to our advantage when it came time for us to, you know, carve out a space for us in, you know, in this line of business. Teach and I were able to keep our shirts on because, you know, we started something from the ground up. It wasn't like this industry was already, you know, this, this, this established, part yeah. of the market was already established. So there was knowledge that TG and I held. That you know we were you know actually we, we were needed we were needed for the category so that positioning helped us a great deal but still we had many lessons to learn and honestly some of those lessons were not in our favor in the early days but the good news is that we stayed the course and we were able to negotiate a space where we can operate as a small business and we can you know be able to continue to do business with a larger partner because sometimes. When you get in business with a larger partner, you're actually not able to afford to, you know, for reasons, you know, maybe you, you, you're, you're ignorant and you don't know the ways of, of this industry, or maybe you just don't have the, 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 the resources to ramp up, you know, or to, to support this new um, growth spurt. So right. uh, with, with prayer and with, you know, just staying steady at it, uh, we were able to get through that time. Thank God you did. <laughs> Thank yeah. God you did. So, you know, on that, right, as as you might well know, black women are actually a category that has been said to be today's fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs, right? But it's also said that black entrepreneurs as a whole are also, also have, you know, some of the highest failure rates amongst mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. And I, as I've been looking at that more closely, it said that, you know, the mentorship of other successful black entrepreneurs is lacking to help those aspiring ones who are struggling. What advice mm -hmm. would you give to that young black aspiring entrepreneur that's listening to this episode right now? encourage any aspiring entrepreneur to seek other entrepreneurs that they admire and learn their story, learn how they did it, dig, 
find out what it took for them to build our business and see what the similarities are and see if that's something that you can emulate, but also dig for the failures. There's so much wisdom in the failures. You know, oftentimes when we see a success story, we're focused on the luxury, we're focused on the the riches, we're focused on the success. But I would encourage that aspiring entrepreneur to to understand um, the failures because that's where I feel like most of the the jewels and the, the wisdom is, is, is hidden within failures. I understand um, where the potholes are. Absolutely, because, you know, we all, you know, we all want you know, that success. We want to touch on that. But I think, you know, the, being an entrepreneur, when you look at it at the success level, it's very sexy. You know, it looks very attractive. It's very sexy. But I don't know if um, most of us understand the sacrifices you know, that it takes to be able to be an entrepreneur and the kind of dedication that you need and the kind of focus and the kind of perseverance that's required, you know, in order for you to be able to, you know, be part of that entrepreneur club. And I think that that needs to be um, spoken to just more, um, that needs to be articulated, I think, a lot better what it really means to be an entrepreneur. And it's not always driving a great car and living in a mansion somewhere it's you know it's lonely you know when um you know you lose your business and you know yeah and i don't think i'm not sure that people really talk about that part of it but um you know being an entrepreneur is also not for everyone it isn't Uh, it's not (laughs) it's not for everyone and particularly as an entrepreneur it really speaks to who you are as a person It speaks to, you know, your stamina, it speaks to your dedication, it speaks to your strength, you know, so many things that come in play. And um, you really want to, you know, just get to understand who you are before you embark on on being an entrepreneur. I think everyone should take a stab at it because being an entrepreneur is also a way for you to get to know more about yourself. You're able to see how you how you come out in certain situations. I think it's a good experience. But at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. And uh, you really got to understand yourself um, very carefully in order to to stay the course. Absolutely do. So your business is your baby, (laughs) right? But it's not not your only baby. I know you're a proud mom. Uh, As a mother, how has being an entrepreneur affected family life? Well, being a proud mom has been, um, it's, it's the basis for the success of Miss Jeffy. My focus and dedication to my business, it started, it rooted from my desire to be a great provider to my son. Um, very early on, I knew I was going to be a single parent and I knew his dad wasn't going to be around. So I thought that in the absence of his dad, I thought that money and resources would be a wonderful tool to help us do all the things that I would like to do with my son, whether his dad was here or not. So there would be no Miss Jessie's without, you know, that desire for me to win as a mom. But, you know, being a mom and and wanting to be a a great mom and wanting to give 100%, you know, in that role as a mother, while at the same time being a great um, leader and and, and businesswoman and CEO of Miss Jessie, that takes balance. And when you're a mother, there's so many phases of motherhood. There's infant phase, you know, there's toddler phase, you know, then you know, right, your kid right is now. growing. <laughs> yeah, your kid is growing. I have a teenager now, so all phases require 
a different, you know, a different handle on motherhood. And honestly, you know, I, I have one child. So I didn't get the handbook on being a mother and I don't have the experience from being a mother prior to my son. So a lot of the phases that I'm experiencing with motherhood is for the first time because he's my own child. So, you know, I understand that I'm no pro and, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still a student in training and um, I try to be, uh, I try not to be so hard on myself as a mother. So giving my son time is is very important. Being a good leader is very important. Being a good provider is very, very important. But also, I'm finding as a teenager, my son also needs space. <laughs> right. And uh, it comes at a good time because right now, you know, I'm running the company <laughs> uh, by myself and um, I'm seeing the value of me being able to make time for myself personally. And it comes at a good time because my son, he just needs his space as a teenager. And, you know, back to balance, you know, I think my biggest challenge now just being um, a mom and a businesswoman is just being able to be dedicated and being able to be at 100% in all the different roles that I've taken on. So, you know, I'm still working at it and, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm doing my best and I I think I'm doing a good job. I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> Miko, at this point, you've got this amazing brand. You're experiencing success by what you've you've defined and been able to to accomplish. What are some of the the routines that keeps you at this point pushing yourself to those new and higher heights? Well, I have a desire to win. And at this point, all of the hard work and all of the innovation and all of the sacrifices that have been put, you know, in play for me to sit here and represent Miss Jessie's, it's already, you know, it's hard. I I can't give up now, you know? There's so much that has been put into this business. So my desire to win was also with all that's been invested in the business, the sweat equity, all that, it deters me from ever wanting to give up. So I think with that that in mind, it keeps me um, on my toes with this business. But, you know, my sister, T.T. Branch, put so much into this business and she put so much into me um, as a big sister, as my co-parent, as my best friend, as my partner. I, I just, I, I would be doing a disservice to my sister, Titi Branch, who passed away December 4th, 2014. Uh, her legacy is so important to me. And the history of Miss Jessie's is not just about two girls who make curly pudding. You know, it's about um, leading by example and, uh, and you know, just carrying on this wonderful legacy uh, that my sister helped to create. So, you know, it's important to me to uh, carry it out to the fullest. Right. And um, that, 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 that's what I'm doing. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we're getting set to wrap up here in a couple of minutes, but our trailblazers, they want to hear some of your resources and tools that you use every day, right? So maybe if you could share with us what's one book you've read that inspired you most? Well, I can honestly say that um, when you're an entrepreneur and you're a full-time mom and you're uh, a best-selling author, when you're uh, just doing many things, I have very little time to read. You know, I can right. read the contract from his Jesse's. <laughs> I could read the copy that goes on our, our, our jars, you know, 
I'm reading, you know, everything that's related to, you know, uh, my son's applications. I'm reading all those kinds of things. But I honestly haven't had a lot of time to do leisurely reading. But one book that stands out to me is a book by Miguel Ruiz, and it's called The Four Agreements. It's a very, it's a, uh, a slim book. It's a simple book, but it, it, it talks about how to approach life. And it's just four simple philosophies on, on how to approach life. And when things get hectic and chaotic, I'm able to just quickly tap into that book. It's called The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I can't, I can't forget. I love our book that my sister TV branch and I wrote together. Miss Jessie's Creating a Successful Business from Scratch Naturally. Our story inspired me, and I, I like the way um, our story, uh, just I like our journey. So I find myself reading her book over and over, and I'll reference the book when I'm talking to my son or I'm talking to a family friend or my dad. You know, we'll often go back to the book because... Um, the book is our life. It's, it's our history. So I find myself, I keep rereading our book. I just, I just enjoy it. Wow. I definitely have to check that out. And I'll make sure <laughs> for everyone listening, we'll be putting all the links and resources that Miko is sharing with us in our show, on our show notes page at tbpod.com. Miko, what's something small you've done this month that you are proud of? I am learning tennis. You're learning tennis. Wow. Yeah, I'm learning tennis. I've, I've always been a girly girl growing up, not that athletic. My sister was the athletic one. But I'm finding that, you know, I'm finding that I, I can hit the ball. I'm finding that I like this sport and I'm learning tennis. And it's good because it, it, it's a new form of exercise, but it's fun. And, you know, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm trying to tap into things that are fun. Because although I have a great business and although I'm a great mom, I really want to not forget about Miko. So I'm trying to find things that I love. So that's something, you know, new that I've discovered and uh, I'm getting better and better every day. Great. That's awesome. (laughs) Thanks. So name an online resource. It could be an app, software, or tool that you use every day and you can't live without it. Uh, does my iPhone count? Because it has a little <laughs> bit of everything on it. I really can't. I, I'm no good without my iPhone. What What app on your phone is your go-to? Let's see. I love Pandora. You do? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm love a- Pandora because music has been pretty much the soundtrack. Music has been part of our lives growing up. My dad loved music. But I find that music... Um, it's still the soundtrack to my life. So all depending on what mood, you know, or how I'm feeling in Pandora, I can switch to any station that I like and, um, you know, really compliment whatever mood I'm in. So right. I like Pandora. <laughs> I'm right there with you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, one more thing. I, you know, I, um, since I've become an author, I have a little bit of social media going on in my life. So I found that I am connected to my social media, which is Miko Branch. And um, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. So I, I love those two apps and I enjoy checking in and talking with um, people who want to know, you know, know more about me. Yes. And she engages with you people. So definitely connect with her. <laughs> I do. I, t- I actually talk. I, I actually talk back. So if you, you yes. talk back, talk back. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're, we're just about done here. But before, you know, we wrap up, I'd like to invite you to share one action our future entrepreneurs should commit to this week to help them blaze their trail. Uh, let's see. If they're first, you need, well, it's, it's actually three things. You need to identify what you want to do. You know, you, you have to identify what you want to do. It may be something that you're, you're very serious about or you're lightly interested in. But once you identify that one thing, I would quickly do some research on it. Um, do all that you can. And you have a wonderful tool like the Internet. And if there's someone you can interview or talk to, awesome. But I would encourage you to just do it. And just do it means any single thing that you can do that's going to get you closer or nearer to the idea that you had in your head. Just do it and don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid of, you know, a hiccup because there's going to be so much wisdom in that. And once you just do it, you'll find out if you like it. And you'll also find out if you don't like it. And if you don't like it, you'll know you can quickly move on to something else. So I encourage you, once you identify something that you think you might want to do, just do one thing, something that uh, that that lets you know that I did it. And uh, whatever that something is, you'll have more wisdom after you do it. So I hope everyone takes a stab at it. Yes, 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 absolutely. I love that. Miko, I want to say thank you so very much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate you being so transparent and open and you you are in our prayers. I think that you have both built an amazing platform, as I shared with you earlier. And, you know, I've been inspired and 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 really learning so much about your brand in the course of this year. You've been all over the media um, throughout mm-hmm. the course of the year. And, you know, as I'm interviewing different black professionals, I have, you know, identified you. I've been following your brand and I knew I had to, to get you on, on the podcast to share your story. And you've not disappointed. And I'm so looking forward to continuing to, to follow you and stay connected with you and, and watch your continued growth. So thank you so very much. Just a moment ago, you shared your Twitter and, and you're on Twitter and Instagram. Tell us how we can stay connected with you. Actually share your, your handle if you could. And, um, yes, I, I, thank you. I am simply Nico Branch, and it's the same for Twitter and Instagram. It's M I K O B R A N C H. Awesome. And Miss Jessie's is also on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Definitely go ahead and follow them. Again, I'm sharing all the, the resources for today's episode on tdpod.com. Miko, thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tvpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode 
episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.